Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole. I have some pretty exciting news to share with you guys. As you know, we launched season three just a couple weeks ago, and at the season's launch, we actually hit the charts. We hit the podcast charts in Germany. We were number 13 in places and travel. So thank you to everyone who had a hand in making that happen. That goes out to everyone who's come on as a guest, as well as everyone who's shared the show with a friend, to all the listeners who have been here along the way, and to all the new listeners who are just joining us now for season three. Let's keep this momentum going. Please take a moment to rate and review the Expat Cast on Apple Podcasts. And while you're at it, go ahead and share this with a friend or family member who you think would like the show. It was really freaking cool to see the Expat Cast on those charts. So thanks to all of you for making it happen. And I want to reiterate to all my listeners that you can always reach out to me, preferably via email, with anything from topic suggestions to feedback to saying, hey, I listened to your show. I'd love to come on as a guest. It doesn't matter to me if you are someone with a creative project or if you're just some person out there who's just a normal expat. I want to hear everyone's story. I think everyone's got something to share. And it's been important to me from the beginning that this is a community, that this podcast isn't a one-way street. It's not just me putting stuff out there for you. I also want to hear from you guys. I want to have the chance to hear how you ended up in this crazy expat life, what it's been like for you, all of that. And actually, this week's episode is a very good example of that. So our guest, Fraser is a listener of the show, reached out to me a while back just saying, hey, I like the show. Don't know if you're looking for guests, but I'm happy to talk if you are. It took us a little bit of back and forth because, you know, life gets busy. But I was so excited when our schedules aligned and we were able to chat. (laughs) I'll save the introductions for the episode itself, but keep that in mind when you listen. This could be you. Why not? Shoot me an email, theexpatcast at (laughs) gmail.com. All right, guys, you enjoy the episode. My name is Fraser Seifert. I'm originally from New Zealand. I grew up in a very small town. Uh, My parents have a farm and it's in the middle of the North Island, so halfway between Auckland and Wellington. And the farm is like 10 kilometers or so from the nearest village, which has a thousand people. The nearest town is like an hour and a half drive away. Yeah, <laughs> so it's pretty, pretty rural. It's absolutely beautiful, charming, amazing place to grow up. But I was, I was always interested in the rest of the world and wanted to get out and about and explore it. So I don't think anyone in my family was surprised when I moved to, to London, where I used to live. And I now live in, in Frankfurt in Germany. And I've been here for exactly one year. Hey, congrats. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was actually surprisingly emotional to when I was like, oh my gosh, I've been here a year and this is all the things we've gone through and yeah, this is where we've got to. It was, it was quite quite an amazing feeling that I hadn't expected. Yeah, I think that one year mark is so powerful just because you do go through so much crap in year one <laughs> that you don't know that you're going to yeah. like push through or survive. And then when you do, yeah. even if you're not in a much better situation at the end of things, at least you made it through, you know what I mean? And so exactly. for me, after my I hit my one year mark, sort of the next six months since after that, we're always just a a repetitive, like, wow, this time a year ago, things were so crap. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's so true. You always, you're like, oh, this is exactly what I was doing last year. And you're like, oh, 
man, I'm glad I've got to here and I've done all that. And I, it's, it's, it's kind of the same with, with uh, learning German, which I've only, only started when I moved here last July. Um, and every time I, I have a, a conversation where I don't really understand what's going on, which is most of them, to be fair still, <laughs> I think back and like, well, actually, a year ago, I couldn't even have this conversation because I was still like, I don't know, learning numbers properly, to be honest. Did you have that same <laughs> one-year feeling when you were in England? Uh, I guess I must have, but I don't recall it in the same way. I think moving to Germany has been a, a, a very different experience for a lot of different reasons. But I think one of them is that New Zealand a lot of people refer to it as like a England from the 1970s or a little England. And it is in many ways that like we have a lot of similar cultural characteristics and that sort of thing, albeit with a completely different feeling like it, it London doesn't feel like anything we have in New Zealand. But there's a lot of familiarity through like movies and storybooks and just shared stories. But I obviously didn't have that same feeling moving to Germany and then there's a the whole language barrier and all that sort of thing and so I think my first year in Germany was more challenging in some ways although I probably had a bit more money than I did when I moved to London and Frankfurt is less expensive by a long way yeah uh, <laughs> yeah well and I think the language thing is huge part yeah. of it I've never I've only moved from different states in the U.S. to here so I never feel qualified to make that statement but I my feeling is like sort of this next level just because it's so omnipresent I mean, a little bit, well, exactly. I don't know, I, I'd be interested to hear your take on this. When I was in Frankfurt, I was there just for like a day or two, but I heard so much English on the streets. It was almost creepy. Yeah. And, that, and it yeah, was yeah, also yeah. very clear to me that it wasn't just like people from English speaking countries necessarily. It was like all these business people coming through or like kind of meeting in this mutual language. So I got like a weird culture shock from it. <laughs> <laughs> You can't really get away from it. And yeah, a lot of people here do speak English. And I think you're absolutely right. There's people from all over the world and the common language is, is English. And like in my German, so I did intensive German classes last year for a couple of months. And almost everyone apart from a few older people from uh, somewhere, I think from Korea and one from, uh, from China, everyone in the class spoke pretty good English. And we're all there learning German. It's like a, it's a curse and a, and a good thing of being a native English speaker, I think, always yeah. having that language. <laughs> yeah. In your most panicky moments, it's such a relief. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. in a lot of other smaller ways, it's really frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're kind of like, I wish I didn't have this to fall back on. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that real true immersion, you kind of have to force it or it's not going to happen. Exactly, exactly. And what has brought you to all these different moves? Other than you mentioned, like, growing up, you wanted to experience something <laughs> different. What brought you to specifically London and then specifically Frankfurt? So when I first left university, I had had an American boyfriend uh, for my last, like, year and a half of university, probably, because I'd spent a season in Colorado at a ski resort and then had done an internship in Washington, D.C. for a few months as well, and that we met there. And then so he came out to New Zealand for a year and then, We'd done long distance between New Zealand and Virginia for Jeez. about a year before it just all became too much, which is not surprising given that it's like 18 hours of traveling and thousands of, of dollars yeah. uh, <laughs> to get between the two. So, and, and also because of that, I hadn't really been able to build up any savings to be able to go straight and live in, in London or some other place in, somewhere else in the world. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get a job in New Zealand because I can't afford to to leave just yet, which was quite upsetting for me. But it turned out all right. I managed to get a job that was pretty decent with some decent money. And then I was on holiday in Bali, which is 
relatively close for New Zealand, so it was like a winter break away from winter. And I was there with a friend who's German and lives in New Zealand, and she had a friend who we just happened to meet up with in Bali who was there at the same time. And me and my friend's friend fell in love, and he's from Germany. (laughs) And so we kind of then, I guess, just was basically message each other every day for six months he visited me in new zealand and then we're like oh actually there is something here let's try and work out a way of living in the same place and we went through it all it was all very like practically thought through and we just thought about munich where he's from and him coming to new zealand all this different thing and it just turned out that the easiest option was the uk in terms of visas and that sort of thing for me so we moved to london and then after three years there, he got an offer that was really good from his company to transfer to Frankfurt. And I was quite sad about that because I finally got a job that I really loved in London because London is a is a difficult place to get a job that pays you a salary that makes life okay. And so I was really sad that Jan got this job, but at the same time, I was like, this isn't a, something you can say no to, so let's work it out. So we did six months again of long distance racking up the Ryanair flights. <laughs> and then yeah and then after six months or so I moved to Frankfurt as well and started learning German I've been here a year now and here we are <laughs> <laughs> yeah must have been not long after that that I discovered your podcast and started listening to it did you find work in Frankfurt after so you did, did those classes for a while I'm assuming that was most of your day I was quite lucky that my savings combined with a nice tax refund from the UK government meant that I didn't need to work for uh, like straight away. And also with Jan's income, we, you know, lived just a relatively simple life and it kind of worked out. So, um, but I was starting to look for part-time jobs towards the end of last year and then found a job in Darmstadt, which is just a small city, like 20 minutes on the train from Frankfurt. And so I did that job for a little while and then actually was offered another job that I recently started. Do you guys view this location and this move as more permanent? So it's funny. I think we have differing views on that. I don't think we see Frankfurt as a place we'd want to live forever necessarily. Like it's a nice city. It's really good access to nature, albeit not the most beautiful nature. It's not like the Alps, like you have in Munich and the lakes and that sort of thing or the sea. But, you know, it's easy. There's what they call the Grüngürtel, which is the green belt around the city. And we go biking there and stuff, especially in summer. It's really lovely. And it's well-placed to live in Europe. I think in the long term, I'm not sure I want to stay in Frankfurt. And I think uh, Jan, my husband, feels feels the same. It's just, I guess, what the timeline is. But we probably wouldn't move without one of us getting another job somewhere else. And it would also depend whether, you know, potentially that would mean going back to New Zealand, somewhere else in Germany, or somewhere else completely random. We always have this joke between us that, because I always say, oh, oh, Mexico City looks so nice. I'd love to live there. Oh, I really want to live in Toronto. And oh, Tokyo looks nice. Like all these different places. <laughs> and I was like, you know, there's only so many places we could actually live in the world and have a life. Yeah, but isn't that <laughs> the worst truth? Because I, I feel the same yeah. way. Like I like visiting places, but I really just want to live a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of city breaks. Brits call them city breaks. But, and yeah, having, you know, landing somewhere on a Friday night and having a rush around to look at everything and then leaving again on Sunday afternoon afternoon it's quite rushed and I actually prefer to have a bit more time and have a more relaxed pace through the city and actually see more than just the crowded central area and that sort of thing yeah. I think it's a much better way of, of seeing a city or a place 
Yeah, this was sort of my life hack when I was living in the States because you just don't really get vacation days there. And I wanted to live far away from where I was from, but I also wanted to yeah. visit my friends and family. So my <laughs> vacation days were going back to visit. So I was like, yeah. all right, well, then I can't see the world. I'm kind of stuck wherever I'm living within like a you know road trip weekend getaway radius. So my strategy was then to keep moving to different regions of the U.S., and then spend yeah. that time kind of getting to know those areas. So I did, I grew up in the Northeast, then I moved to the South for a while. And then after that was in the Midwest for a while. And my plan was then to next go somewhere, either Colorado or somewhere more like West Coast or something. And then my German guy came along and, and <laughs> had said, hey, what about this direction? And I was like, yeah, good, whatever, sure. Sure, let's whatever. do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, um, but I still have this mindset of like, oh, well, why travel when you can just move somewhere for a couple of years? Yeah, yeah. And I, I like I don't think we're a million miles apart either. I think Jan probably is more, uh, I don't want to say level-headed, but I'm a bit more like, oh, we could do this. We could do every, anything we want to do. And he's like, but actually, let's look at the reality of what we can do. So we're probably a good mix in, in that because I'd just be like, let's just go. And he's like, okay, let's work out maybe how we'll do it first. Right. And then, then we'll do it. <laughs> he, uh, he is the German in the relationship. He pulls that in. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that, that he, he, he wouldn't through. want to admit that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that German. <laughs> no, no. But I think even that foundation of, of consistency in the culture really is that they stop and ask questions before just diving into the deep often, not all the time and not everyone, yeah. but often. And honestly, that's great. It's, <laughs> it's a very it's good quality. Really good. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I think. Well, so part of why I asked that then is because we discussed briefly before recording this whole topic of identifying expats versus immigrants. And to me, I mean, I came into this whole world pretty naive and also like pretty privileged, right? And I didn't really know so much that there were specific choices being made. I thought it was just like, well, immigrants are getting citizenship and staying and expats are sort of somehow more fluid or, or unsure. I, I do think some people identify based on that criteria. And so in your case, the decision of like being like, yes, this is a long term move or no might impact the answer of how you would identify that. But when you don't know, then you are really stuck in this gray zone of like, okay, then what what I like yeah. to be called and also very important is what are other people going to call me regardless of what I care to be called? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really interesting debate. And I, I you know, like I said to you uh, earlier, for me, it started becoming something I thought about when I left New Zealand and, and kind of started living elsewhere. So I spent six months or so living in the US uh, when I was like 20, kind of wasn't really thinking about that sort of thing. Although I was interested in politics and and, and the news and all that sort of thing. It, I didn't think as critically about that. But then when I moved to the UK and it was kind of the, when I first got there, it was the year preceding the Brexit referendum. And I just started noticing all this discussion about immigrants and that sort of thing. And, and there was a lot of talk about the Commonwealth and whether they should have a new visa system. You know, some people were saying there should be a new visa system for people from Canada or in Australia or New Zealand and that sort of thing. And I kind of started realizing, actually, when people are talking about immigrants and saying that there's too many of them and then there's a wave of them coming to take all these jobs, they're actually talking about me, even though they might not think they are because they don't class me as an immigrant because I'm from a, a quote unquote, you know, white Commonwealth country. Um, and sure, I've got I come from a relatively middle class family and could always go back to New Zealand if I wanted to. I wasn't running away from anything except perhaps my own demons. But <laughs> we don't need to get into that. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's, it's a difficult question. And I think for me, I felt that immediately when I moved to Germany as well, I felt 
probably more like an immigrant here even than I did in the UK because I I didn't speak the language at all when I first arrived and I'm still you know not perfect in the language by any means and so I do feel different although I don't look different and weirdly also I've got a German surname so people actually think I'm German anyway straight away even if they've just seen my name written down I thought maybe that was your married name no no so Whoa, okay you were fated from... to end up here. Yeah, I know, exactly. And my <laughs> auntie like wrote a family history and she's really excited that like I've moved here and learned German. She's like, oh, it must have meant to be. And, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so basically you can kind of pass by name, by look as non-foreign in any form. Exactly. And it was, it was the same living in the UK until I opened my mouth. I was... I was seen as someone who'd you know, grown up in Britain. And actually, even sometimes in some parts of the UK, people thought I was from the UK because I don't have a particularly strong New Zealand accent, particularly if I was in the north of England or in Scotland. People would think I was sort of from somewhere in the south and just talked a bit funny. <laughs> um, so I wasn't necessarily seen as an outsider, although I often felt like one because things weren't necessarily familiar or I didn't understand exactly what was going on and you know there's cultural references and subtleties so yeah it's a funny one and I think yeah I think I probably used to think a little like you that expat was about somebody who could go back or was choosing to be here or it was not a, a long-term thing but I think it's I don't know I think immigrant has just taken on for me it isn't a, a negative word but I think it, it, in some circles and with some parts of our society it has taken on a really negative word because certain politicians have chosen to use it in a negative way which is really awful because Immigration is a is a really beneficial thing for society. It's fantastic. And it also it's really important. You know, there's a lot of societies where we're not really having many children and we need more people to come in and make sure that as the, you know, the population who's already here gets older has people to help make sure that there's kind of activity happening to keep the economy going. And that's not saying all immigrants are going to be nurses or whatever, but actually are coming to keep doing all the jobs that creates a tax base and all that sort of thing. Like, it's, it's important and it's, it's good. And that's actually the most important thing for me. So many times people get so lost in the weeds of, you know, how and yeah. who and, and when with immigration laws and policies that they get really focused on that and not thinking about immigration generally. And it, especially like in Germany, like they do have a somewhat recent history of, of immigration with the waves of Italians and um, mm -hmm. Turkish folk coming in in the 60s. But everyone still seems pretty like thrown off by like the most recent wave with people from Syria and then various countries in Africa. And I'm always just kind of confused. I'm like, but, you, but that was a thing though, guys. Right? Yeah, like... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that, yeah, you kind of, you hear that some people say, oh, but Europe is not a place of immigration, which is just actually a massively fundamentally flawed and false view of history. Like Europe has had immigration across it and from outside and within it for forever i mean that's how we're in europe if you go back to the most basic thing is is you know i'm sure there's some people who might not believe evolutionary history but actually humans originated from from east africa and then we kind of spread out across the globe so moving and migrating is is something that's fundamental to human life and society and it's just really sad that some people choose to try and gain power or manipulate people's views in order to further a, an agenda that's not very nice. Well, and then I was just thinking, like, they do some funky things with it in German, in the German language. Like, the word for refugees 
Flüchtlinge and then there's generally you would call like foreigners like Ausländer and there's Ausländer Behörde which is like the foreigners office all this stuff but anyway so so to try to be like more politically correct and like welcoming there's like a change happening that instead of calling someone like a migrant or a Flüchtlinge a, a um, refugee the group of people is tr being referred to as people with a background of migration which is just a lot of words it's um yeah leute mit migrationshintergrund um God, yeah, that's, yeah i have seen that actually yeah. yeah and i think it is coming from more the people who are trying to be pretty open and accepting and like not um yeah. put people in boxes so they're like coming up with this term to be more welcoming but i'm also like but y'all we can't speak german that great all the time like you can't make it a giant <laughs> yeah. long word that we can't say like <laughs> yeah exactly. it's it's always quite a funny like germanism way of doing it as well because it's quite precise and saying i'm a person with a like a different sort of background it's like it's a nice way but it's also quite a precise thing to say rather than just being like i'm not from germany right. you know like, <laughs> yeah it's quite yeah it's nice yeah I, I think it's not a very simple way but it's it's slightly more inclusive i think because i mean auslander is basically like an outsider almost like that's how I, it's not quite that but that's how i've always seen it which kind of doesn't feel nice it's interesting though as well i mean when you think about the and i remember this so i got my visa last year because when you which i found this interesting as well when you come to germany you can actually if you're from certain countries you can arrive here and then get your visa to stay long a longer term which for me coming from new zealand or having traveled to the uk and the us that's like not a thing you have to go to an embassy or consulate and get your visa beforehand otherwise they just don't let you into the country in fact they would probably don't even let you on the plane so Germany's quite interesting for me but when I moved here and then because I guess there's still so many people coming here from Syria and, and probably more Africa now anyway um, there's still a quite a long waiting time which isn't really publicized and so we didn't know about it and so we applied for my visa in like I guess it was in July and they gave us an appointment time of October which meant I wasn't allowed to leave Germany and I wasn't able to work in that in that time at all which was really quite stressful for us we hadn't anticipated that at all like looking back I found that a really troublesome kind of very first interaction with the German government and bureaucracy being like oh sorry there's nothing you can do and because we got in touch with them and said like mm, because I had a trip to the UK in September and I was like, I would like to take this trip. Is there any way I can do it? And they're like, mm, no, nothing you can do. You can just do the whole line up outside the Auslander Behörde or the foreigner's office before it opens in the morning and hope you get a slot, which is what we ended up doing. And again, I was sort of like, this is a really bizarre way of, of having people's very first interaction with the German government. It's not a very welcoming. I mean, yeah, sure, I recognize that there's a lot of people and it's it's been a big adjustment for that agency, but sure there's a slightly better way they could do it for my job I'm, I'm technically working within the city and so i have to go to these different trainings for managers and it's with managers of other departments within the city and so i was at one of these seminars or trainings and one of the managers did it for the agency for migration and integration and i asked him i was like do you have anything to do with the foreigner's office and he was like oh some things like why would you and i'm like well yeah you know i'm foreign right so i'm pretty well versed in how things work from the other side <laughs> and it makes no sense to me that you get your number and you have to wait so like, you go at like 
8.30 in the morning or or 7.30 or whenever it is, get your number, and then you have to wait till it's called, right? And I don't know how it is in Frankfurt, but I think it's the same, where they show the numbers on one screen in the building, right? Same? Yeah. 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 And I was like, so you clearly have the technology where people take the ticket and then there's like an automated system that calls the numbers. Couldn't you put that on the website somewhere? And then I could leave, and when it's like 10 numbers before me, I'll make my way back over instead of sitting for two hours in there? And he was like, huh. I didn't really know about that. It's a good point. I'll bring it to, I'll, I'll go ask what, and see what they say. He said it wasn't really his department, but like yeah. he would try. And I'm sure nothing's going to come of it because I'm sure that they've thought of this and it was a choice that they did it this way. And I'm sure there's a good reason. But for a second there, I felt like just like the hero of the the foreigners. Yeah. And I, was like, I can make this better for everybody who comes yeah, next. Because yeah. <laughs> you can't even wait outside. Yeah. I mean, where we are, it's we got this kind of nice courtyard, but you can't see through the door to see the screen. Yeah, I think in Frankfurt, it's quite big, I guess, one of the bigger ones in Germany. But And so they just have slightly different waiting areas. But it's the same, it's the same sort of thing. You have to go and sit and wait at that exact screen. Otherwise, you don't see your number. And we were one of the first people that still had to wait like an hour and a half once we've got our number or something. Yeah. And like, I mean, yeah, you know, New Zealand's a small country, so it's easy to implement things really quickly. So a lot of our stuff is all online. But even the UK, I think my entire application was online. All I had to do was go to some little office and like give my fingerprints or something and then send my passport somewhere. So it's just a, a different way of doing it. But I guess they probably never actually talk to people who've gone, like you and I and others, who've gone through the process and say, what was it like? Are there other yeah. ways we could do it? I guess we can't vote in Germany, so it's not really a, not much of an incentive for politicians to <laughs> try and make it easier, I guess, if you think about it. You're probably uh, right that they just don't even, don't even think about it. They're just like, this is the thing we do, and we do it, and done. And then okay. at the same time, I'm like, a lot of the times they do have good reasons to say no to something even if I disagree I'm like all right I see where you're coming from but I don't know I would really like to be in the room for these discussions and I I know so many times the the people I've interacted with do have an interest in being more helpful and they aren't coming from a bad place and so I'm like okay how can we kind of close this loop and like work better with each other in a way that's kind of working for both sides yeah yeah exactly because I think one of the funny things these funny kind of catch-22s with like integrating into German culture is that the integration efforts are led by Germans, which on one hand makes total sense, right? Because they're Germans, they surely know how their culture works, and they sure do. But the thing is, they've never had to integrate into it. They've only had to be it. And so sometimes I think, wouldn't it be better to have someone who was integrated lead that? But then at the same time, then they're not, they have a different background and a different understanding and different impulses about certain things. Actually, I've never really quite thought about that i mean one thing i do really like in in germany is that and i think it's because i'm here on like it's called like a family reunification visa because i'm married to a german so that means that i'm eligible for an integration course which means like it's a like a language i think up to b1 as well as a few weeks of kind of german culture this is how we do things and how things work and all that sort of thing and i think that's that's a really good thing that they do here um you know, and it's it's not free, but it's it's really heavily subsidized compared to other courses. And I, I've never done one because I was already, by the time I got my visa, I was too far through my own private language course. So there wasn't any point. But it's, I think, just a really positive thing. But I think you're right, actually, having someone who's been through the process of integrating to try and make that slightly more accessible for the people who are coming would be also helpful. Yeah. And I think, so 
working now within the government, I do know some agencies that work on different projects and different aspects of integration. And I do know foreigners who are working there. They've lived here for a long time, are very fluent in the language. And that yeah, I think is yeah. really good to see. And again, like I'm not saying anything bad about you know how how germany is handling it because i do think that they are really receptive to these kind of things but sometimes some stuff hasn't been pointed out to them and then it's like well this is weird (laughs) so i think that's one thing where i'm starting to meet a little bit more people who are getting hired for these roles and i think a, a nice mixture is a good thing yeah i think so too i think so too and you know i guess these things also take time i think also you know in was it 2015 or 2016 there were what one million or something almost a million refugees from syria came to germany in one year like that's that's a massive adjustment for the government bureaucracy and having worked in and around government bureaucracies and in other countries and i'm sure germany is no different government isn't the most agile and and fast to adjust to to big changes it takes it takes time there's a lot of people and not even agendas that makes it sound malicious it's just people have their product projects and there's things already going on and you can't just change direction so i think germany's actually done an amazing amazing effort integrating all these people you know 80 percent of those refugees who came in 2015 are, are in educational working and i just think that's i don't think the uk could have done that i don't think New Zealand could have done that um, it, you know, proportionally, obviously. Um, <laughs> we certainly couldn't take a million people in New Zealand yeah. <laughs> in one year. But yeah, I, I just think that's that's really amazing. So although we're really annoying and it's difficult sometimes, they've also done all credit to them. They've done an amazing job. I, I think a lot of people do still experience this sort of German wall where despite all of these programs that exist to help integrate and push through, you still kind of get this feeling that you end up in your own little bubble and maybe you're kind of integrating quote unquote in certain things if you're connected or friends with certain Germans or maybe you do work in in German, but being fully blended into society just takes some time and it takes a lot of effort on both sides. So for instance, at the place where I work, we have this one volunteer position where I'm starting to advertise it more with the immigrant community because you do need to be able to speak German, but the j- job, quote unquote, itself is just helping old people like learn how to open email. <laughs> um, that would have been a perfect job for me when I first moved yeah. to Frankfurt, where I could be like, you know, have my 50 words that I knew and could count and all that. And yeah. <laughs> and it's really hard because these people come yeah. in with all possible questions. And sometimes you're like, I must have misunderstood because what I'm hearing them say couldn't possibly be a question that someone's asking in 2019. And then you're like, oh, no, oh, it is. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so this yeah. kind of is the newer approach that I'm I'm taking. And I I already know from the people I've spoken to that there is a demand for opportunities like that, that just get people, people with a background of migration <laughs> <laughs> in contact with German people in a setting where it makes sense and it's productive for both sides. So my example is just one of, of many. Um, and I think that's kind of like what I'm seeing happen, happening recently, which I think is really cool because I know that too from myself like and, and what we were saying with the German language like you really have to force it at a certain point and I remember feeling a year ago because I'm actually also at my two years in Germany and having this oh, like nice. where Congrats. was I at that point um, <laughs> I know like a year ago I was feeling like oh yeah my German's pretty good I've been here a year but I'm still not pushing through and I didn't know how to and for me getting a job was what did it but um, not everyone's so lucky yeah exactly and I think I think that's for me so the majority of my German conversations are actually with my husband's family. So 
Yeah, his parents are really good. They basically they can speak English. I guess they just prefer to speak German, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> so they always just speak with me in German, which I'm quite happy about. And they they know my level of German and I know them really well. So it's totally it's totally fine and it's really helpful for me. But actually, in most of my interactions in daily life, like I work for a a Chinese company, and so all that communication is in in English. You know, at home. Jan and I, we mainly speak English most of the time because it's just easier when you're at home and you've been at work all day, and then you're like, "What oh, do you want to eat for dinner?" or like, "Can you pass me the the cup?" Easier to be like, ask it rather than sort of sit there and be like, "Okay, yes, that's it's that word, and I need this adjective, and then the verb goes at the end, you know, and all that <laughs> kind of process, and then like you're just like, just give me the damn cup." <laughs> Um, most of the time, we do end up speaking in English, and so I think that's something I'm trying to do at the moment: is meet more German people and and make more more German friends or acquaintances. Because that you know, making friends takes time, and then when you've got the added level of of another language on top of it, it that's a challenge as well. So I'm probably going to do the the very German thing and join a Verein or a, yes. a club. Um, Have you chosen <laughs> um, one? No, I though I think there's one in uh, Frankfurt that's like it's like a gay men's sports club, and I'm not a particularly sporty guy, but they have like swimming and tennis and all sorts of other things. So, and I can't run at the moment because I've hurt my knee. So I think it'll like tick the box of making sure I exercise as well as meeting people. So possibly, possibly that one because most of my social life at the moment is through a meetup group, but it's mainly international people. So again, mainly English is spoken. Is, is that a public meetup group? Yeah, it is. Maybe you could send us the link to that in case there's anyone else in Frankfurt that would. Yeah, for sure. And it's 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 I guess not exclusively for LGBT people, but that's kind of the main main. But it's a mix of guys and girls from all over all over the world, really. But yeah, I'll send you the link. Yeah, and even just finding them that main website where people can then find things in their areas. Because yeah, step one is like having any friends, right? When you move somewhere, and then step two is <laughs> yeah, exactly. like getting you know quote unquote the right friends, like getting the local friends. Yeah. There's always like the first friends you make it was kind of the same at university as well there's the first friends you make that you make just because like they're right there and you don't want to be by yourself and you want to have like someone to talk to and then there's like the ones that kind of stick or come along a bit later that you actually become friends with and then everyone kind of organizes and the others peel off yeah it's really interesting (laughs) yeah Well, with that, we are going to round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. So this is a rapid fire question round where I'm going to ask you a question that you will answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. We're going out for ice cream because it's a million degrees. What do you order? Always two scoops in a waffle cone because that's not using plastic and would definitely be a straciatella probably with like either pistachio or mango depending how i feel solid choice (laughs) (laughs) what is your favorite day trip or or outing from frankfurt there's a really nice town called Wiesbaden, which is like 45 minutes on the train from frankfurt it's the capital of hessen and it's got lots of really old buildings it's really beautiful because it was not destroyed in world war ii so it's really nice still and finally, what is the grocery store item that you miss the most from back home? It's actually an Australian item. Uh, well, it's kind of two items, if that's okay. It's uh, One is Vegemite, so it's kind of like British Marmite, but it tastes quite different. And with a, a type of bread called Vogels, which is weirdly a German name, but is a New Zealand type of bread. It's just really <laughs> delicious. It's a bit weird that I miss 
bread living in Germany. It's just a very specific bread. It's delicious. With fit, a melted butter and Vegemite on it. Perfect. I'm feeling really honest right now, so I'm going to out myself here. Every time that someone talks about Vegemite or what's the other, the British version? A Marmite. Marmite. I just nod because yeah. I know it's important to people <laughs> from these cultures, but I have no clue what they are. <laughs> I'll describe it to you. It's really kind of weird and gross when you start thinking about what it is, but it, it's a yeast spread. So I think it comes from back in the day when uh, they were brewing beer and like when you brewed it on the bottom of the barrel is like this sticky kind of paste thing. And I guess back in the old days, the brewers didn't have much money. So they would take that and decided that actually they could eat it with bread and it was quite tasty. And that's kind of where it's come from. It sounds gross. Sounds a bit gross. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sold. <laughs> I think my nodding and smiling was better before. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's probably best not to know. But we have a, in New Zealand, we have our own Marmite that's also different to the British Marmite. And it's made in Christchurch. And after the earthquakes there a few years back, the factory got destroyed. Oh. And so the supply of Marmite, like, it wasn't able to be made anymore for like two years. And it was being sold on the New Zealand version of eBay for... <laughs> ridiculous amounts of money like a hundred times the price in the grocery store because people were like i need to get my marmite <laughs> yeah, that's how much we like it I'll, I'll have to try it at some point i'll just have to forget that it's called a yeast spread i think that's like one of the least appealing phrases i've ever heard for food yeah you don't want that near your food right yeah. like... <laughs> well very good so before we wrap up do you want to tell people where they can find you so I'm on Instagram, Fraser Alfred. So that's F-R-A-S-E-R Alfred. And the same handle on Twitter as well. I have one more question. How do the Germans pronounce your name? Oh, gosh. It's always like, see my surname and they're like, okay, know how to say that. And then they see my first name and they're like, you can see their faces <laughs> and they're like, oh, my gosh, how do I say this? And they usually kind of go, Fraser, fra, fra, fra. it's usually Fraser or kind of this weird, I've had a few weird ones. One one time someone like dropped the F and called me Razor. <laughs> I was like, okay. I kind of um, like it. <laughs> I, I had once someone, I think they thought it was like a kind of an S. I don't know why. Maybe F looks a bit like an S in huh. some way sometimes. And so it was kind of this weird like Razor sort of stuff. <laughs> a lot of S's. It was a bit weird. <laughs> I like Razor though. I feel like if you're feeling badass, you know, you're like, no, 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 drop the F. I'm Razor. <laughs> I'm razor. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you reached out and that we got to do this episode. It was really great getting to talk. Yeah, too. Me too. Glad to, glad to be on here. One more time, thank you to Fraser for coming on the show. Thanks again for reaching out. I am so glad that we got to talk. As always, all of the resources that we mentioned are linked to in the show notes. And you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at The Expat Cast. I would love to hear from you guys, especially about the topic of this week's episode. What do you call yourself? Expat, immigrant, person with a background of migration? <laughs> what do people call you and how do you feel about it? I think this is just such a big conversation that we should keep on having. I don't want to pretend that this episode is it. We've talked about it. We're done. Moving on. <laughs> no, not at all. This is just one step into this whole wider discussion. Let's keep that discussion going on social media. Next Thursday, we'll be back in your feeds with an episode about international schools. 
I don't know about you, I've heard of international schools, but I don't really understand what they are, how they work, etc. We answer all that in next week's episode. Until then, have a wonderful week. Bis dann. Tschüss.